best marketers sell with story and the best storyteller wins the customer and the best stories are your customer stories. I'm going to give you the planner to create the perfect video case story for your business, just like we've done with all of our clients here at Authentic Web. Just go to eingarlic.com slash plan or click on the podcast image to get to the show notes and there'll be a link. There you can download the perfect video case study planner, the same one we use at Authentic Web to create incredible dynamic video case stories and video case story interviews. In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Is this thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Ian Garlic here, and another episode of The Garlic Marketing Show. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking to Andre Polson. He's an expert uh, in summits. He's been doing a few of them, uh, but also has years upon years of marketing experience. And what I think is interesting about this episode, it's great if you're an agency owner uh, because it talks about what's going on in agencies. We're going to talk about uh, really what Andre thinks are the two big things agencies can be doing right now to grow. Um, you talk about the agency summit, which is coming out, but also he's going to talk to you about really what's the difference between a marketing professional and an agency owner and how an, a marketing professional, meaning an executive, executive uh, really has an advantage of becoming an agency owner and how agency owners can take advantage of that. And it's, it's a, a unique insight um, really into marketing executives versus uh, agency owners, freelancers, et cetera. Um, also, he's going to talk to you about if you want to start your own, uh, a, a, start your own summit, uh, the best way, the things that he didn't do at first to really take advantage, make the summit as valuable as possible. But it's it's a really great interview. I think summits are really a cool way to grow your list, grow your tribe, connect with people, kind of like podcasting. Uh, but also, it, it just Andre has a wealth of experience and just a genuinely good guy. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Ian Garlic here, and welcome to the Garlic Marketing Podcast. Guest today. Andre Polston and Andre, I just realized I don't think I've ever said your last name. I've talked to you a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but you said it right. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Andre. Um, you know, as years of marketing experience, I've, I, what is interesting me is we're going to talk a little bit about this agency summit, which is a huge resource for those in digital marketing space, digital agency space, um, but how you've utilized summits. And also, I want to talk to you a little bit today about um, the difference between being a marketer and an entrepreneur versus being an executive marketer, uh, because I, I think that's a subtle difference that you know we don't talk about, and it's an interesting thing for me because you know I see people move between the two positions. I think they're very different positions, but I could be wrong. Um, so, Andre, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into marketing? How how did you get to where you are now? Well, that's a great question. Um, how I got into marketing, that goes way, way back in the day. Uh, actually, I was about 11 or 12 years old. I kid you not. 
and my dad had gotten laid off of Boeing. And when he got laid off from Boeing, he eventually got rehired back onto Boeing. But, you know, Boeing goes through, you know, those big companies that do, they do waves of layoffs and they rehire people. But he got, when he got laid off and I saw the stress that he went through, uh, I swore to myself that I would never work for somebody else. I would never be dependent upon somebody else because I knew my dad was a hard worker. He was a good guy. And I'm like, I don't understand why, you know, my brain at 12 years old, I don't know why they would fire my dad, right, or lay him off. And I started looking around and asking myself the question, like, what can I do to make money that it means that that's money that's like guaranteed, right? That people can't fire me from. And in my mind at that time, you know, that's what I was looking for. And by about 13, 14 years old, uh, I had basically come up, read as many books as I could in the library. And I found some books on marketing and sales. I found some early Jay Abraham stuff. And it just captured me for some reason. It captivated me for some reason. I was just really excited by it. And uh, at 15 years old, I started my first lawn mowing business, right, mowing lawns. And started applying some of the marketing and sales strategies that I was learning in these books from the library. Um, didn't quite put together the dots yet. And some of the stuff I was reading on was like from the 80s. But you know, <laughs> I was applying it. And it was working, and then I started doing. Then I started learning about things like upsells and cross sells. So uh, I started offering my my uh, my lawn mowing clients uh, build you know uh, sprinkler systems to install sprinkler systems for them, and that was a big upsell because that was like a thousand dollar job for me versus like, you know like a like a fifty thirty to fifty dollar lawn mowing uh, you know session. And yeah, that's that is the earliest version that I can remember of how I got into marketing and sales, and then just how that journey started. And I've been on it ever since. You know, it's funny you talk about that because um, we're in the process of looking for a lawn maintenance company, and <laughs> and literally this morning I was thinking to myself, I'm like. I, these guys are so bad at marketing and business. I'm like, I'm just going to start my own, which is, you know, I, I think uh, us as entrepreneurs, that's like our natural way to think. Uh, it's right. like, I'm just going to do it myself. Um, <laughs> but it's awesome that you did that at 15. Um, and so from there, you know, how did you, you know, what was next? Well, what was next is uh, I, I did that for quite a while. And, you know, I made money just in a lot of different ways as a kid, right? Because I couldn't actually, you know, I wasn't even 18 years old yet, so I couldn't actually get like a full-time job. Um, I was homeschooled, and so I graduated high school early uh, at 17 because I just did school for an entire summer so that I could just get out of school faster. And once I finished that, um, I did pick up a job, a real W-2 job, right? And I worked as a project engineer for an industrial contractor for about a year and a half. And what I learned was is that I didn't like I didn't like working 80 hours a week and only getting paid for 40. <laughs> and so I very quickly realized I was going to go back to sales and marketing. And uh, long story short, I met a guy who introduced me to another guy. That guy owned a company in Canada that was making template realist uh, what template re- template websites for real estate agents. You know, that's like when for blogging was first hitting the scene. SEO was super new. And they were making templated websites for real estate agents, kind of like a software as a service product almost, right? And they were out of Canada, and they were just expanding the U.S. market. I became their first U.S. sales rep, full commission, just started hitting up real estate offices, doing presentations. I knew nothing about the Internet in terms of, like, making websites. Uh, But they gave me my own free template, and I wrote a few blog posts about the local neighborhood I was in, and they ranked. And so I would just walk into a real estate (laughs) website and be like – I would walk into a real estate office and be like, hey, guys – uh, check this out. And I would show them my website. And I wasn't even a real estate agent, but my website was ranking for that city for terms 
on the first page that they would kill for. And I was like, do you want the same thing? That's basically yeah. what the sales pitch was. Uh, and I did that for a long time. Well, what happened is real estate agents would buy the template website and then come back to me. And be, even though I was just a sales rep for the company, they would come to me and be like, hey, how do I promote my website? How do I get traffic to my website? How do I get leads? How do I... And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, well, I can do this and do that. Follow the tools on the back of the website. But I got interested about it because they started offering me money. They're like, well, can I pay you to help me with this? And me, being you know, a good entrepreneur, sensing a, a opportunity. And I was, what, 19 at this point? I was 19 years old. Um, I was like, I'll figure it out. When got a bunch more books, <laughs> read those, read blogs online, and kind of just started figuring it out. And I think my first gigs were for about 750 bucks to, like, SEO a website, write content, and you know, and do that. And that's actually how, when I started to get into that, that started. I started taking learning how to actually generate leads and convert leads into clients. I started taking that seriously. Is right about that time. Wow. Yeah. So you have a deep, deep history. You're not just uh, not just picking up a book last week and now an expert. No. So you you were telling me before the podcast that you moved, um, you you were sometimes the interim executive for a, like marketing company or marketing executive. Can you tell me how that happened and, and what was that like? Yeah. So for you know what I graduated into, as many do from you know doing SEO for websites, was kind of you know as SEO evolved, a bunch of things evolved, and AdWords came on the scene. You know, I just kind of became for a while. I was basically a jack of all trades, consultant marketing, right? Basically mm-hmm. anything marketing because that's kind of everything was so nascent back then. The um, you know, if you knew just a little bit about anything, you could pretty much get results, right? Yeah. Unlike nowadays. <laughs> and, but over time, over time, you know, if you wanted to survive, you had to start becoming good at one or two things, right? Because they were really actually evolving, and competition was getting better. And so, you know, I, I evolved to being a web uh, a consultant in general, and then from there, I started to specialize. And what I wanted to really specialize in was lead generation. Because an early mentor of mine once taught me that. If you're really good at the hardest things, then you typically always be able to make a buck, right? Because the hardest things are the hardest things, and there's less people that are good at those things. And what I kind of, and what he kind of showed me, and what I've learned through the process, and you and everybody listening knows, the lead generation is kind of the lifeblood of any business, if you think about it, right? That mm-hmm. converting the leads to clients. Um, and if you're not good at generating leads at a good, cost-effective way, then you know you're going to have a hard time building a business, uh, at least a scalable, predictable business. So I got good at that, and when I became good at lead generation, in terms of just the principles of lead generation, didn't matter what what industry I was in, suddenly I was uh, I, I could sell myself in a lot of different industries, and so I started going after lead generation and just conversion, just building. Well, you know, before we everybody got on the funnel craze, that's what funnels were, right? Was converting leads into clients. Yep. And I just was I wanted to be good at that part of it. And if you're good at that, then there's a lot of people out there that need help with it, right? Executives, CEOs, company owners. And so I kind of just was able to network my way up the food chain and get better and better clients and uh, eventually started being connected with CEOs and C-level executives. And they would bring me in as a consultant. And if I was any good, then usually what they you know, they would offer is they would, you know, a percentage of revenue or maybe like in addition to a retainer, they would offer, um, you know, like a percentage override of every, you know, a performance comp, right? Whatever the sales team could bring in, et cetera. 
and bonuses. And when that would happen, then I would usually become uh, an interim executive between like them, you know, because usually I'm only brought in after they get rid of an old head of marketing. That's typically how it would happen. Um, I knew I did not want to run a marketing team and be a W2 guy. So I would just hold a temporary position as interim executive, building out a system for lead generation and converting those leads until a new head of marketing came in. That's, and I've done that with, I don't know how many companies now, but I've done it across three or four industries, specifically that where I played the interim executive role, usually a VP of marketing or something like that. So what are the unique challenges of being like that versus like, cause I, I'm, for some people that sounds like, okay, I'm, I'm sick of, you know, being a, a a freelancer. I'm sick of that. Uh, you know, running my own business and I've seen this before and they go work for someone else. Uh, but you know, obviously it's a completely different gig. Yeah. You have no marketing, but now you're working inside there. Uh, what was that like transitioning back and forth? Well, one th- that, you know, you're asking a question that we could probably do an entire series of podcast interviews on. <laughs> um, I actually just recently had an experience uh, running market, running the marketing team um, as an in-house executive for about a $20 million company, not a massive company, but not a tiny company, right? Um, depending on how you look at it. And what I'll say is, is that if you're a free, like you said, if you're a freelancer, and you may be tired of this or that. One thing that I want to say is be grateful for what you have right now because you don't know what you're not dealing with all the time. And to answer your question, if I were to boil it down to what is the hardest thing about the transition or what is the biggest difference in the transition from being like a freelancer or a consultant to being an interim executive or a marketing executive, it's the fact that you now have to lead through people and you have to get things done through people. It's not just about you and your skills anymore. Uh, you have to... You have to, you have to, there's a, there's a, there's a learning framework that I've been using and it's, you know, you have to name it, you have to wear it, you have to teach it, then you've got to wear it, then you've got to institutionalize it, then you've got to recognize it, and then you've got to reward it or award it, if I remember the entire framework. It's, it's all about leadership at that point. And no matter how good your ideas are, if you can't, Train the, if you can't find the right people, train the right people, bring people along, get rid of the wrong people, replace them quickly enough, um, you will live and die by actually your leadership and your ability to lead a team, no matter how good you are at marketing, if you're trying to fill an executive role. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a big, big jump, too, for especially, you know, a lot of people in the agency space, you know, I like I came out of a sales background and a consultancy background, which it seems like you somewhat did too, where you see a lot of the people in the agency space really come out of a, a technician background. They, they were a graphic designer or an SEO specialist or a PPC specialist and open up their agency. And you know, you always did it yourself. Now you have to grow a business. Um, right. so, you know, so that's an interesting point. Um, you know, with having someone of a sales background, obviously, uh, did that assist you in the sales and marketing role? It did assist me in terms of being able to look for, to be able to quickly identify where the gaps are at, right? Where the where the breakdown is at. Um, well, one thing I'll say, just from an executive's perspective, you know, if you're a consultant, you're basically the talent, right? You're the you're the gunslinger. You know, if you're an agency, if you're an agency owner, you're being brought in for like this one niche thing and this outcome typically. So you're kind of a mercenary, right? You're a gunslinger. You got to come in and you got to you got to put the bullet through the bullseye, so to speak, on this one thing. Um, when you're an executive, so so when you're when you're a gunslinger, it's about your talent and your competency. When you're on the executive side of it, what happens is that 
it's not about how talented any one of your players are. It's about creating a process and a system that's repeatable and predictable. Right? Um, and, I, and I can't, I mean, we literally do not have, I, first off, I don't, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that I'm the ultimate expert on something like that. There's people much better at it than I am. The second thing is that we wouldn't even have enough time during the, if we dedicate the rest of this interview to the rest of this conversation to just that topic, you know, breaking down all those differences. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. And I'm just noticing it more and more as the two worlds seem to be colliding more and more. Um, you know, as businesses grow, um, of, of they hire these freelancers and, and they don't know how to run talent, they don't know how to operate people, and yeah, or vice versa. Um, it's interesting, you know, because then you have people that are lifeline, lifelong CMOs that don't know how to necessarily work with like these smaller but much better nimble agencies uh, right on the know. flip side if you're an agency owner or consultant and you have any executive background or experience and you know the world and the pressures that an executive is in like let's say a vp of marketing or a director of marketing or a director of sales if you know the pressures and the challenges that they face every day uh from a from a leadership and an executive perspective and you can help them manage those and get outcomes in those areas even though it's never going to be in your scope of work if you can do that, the loyalty that you typically will find that you build with that client or that stakeholder inside the company uh, will be incredible. Oh, awesome. That's a, that's a great piece of advice. That's a huge piece of advice for agency owners. Um, and that's a great segue because you have an agency summit coming up, and I think it's a, you have a huge group of people, a uh, great group of, uh, I know a lot of the names, I know a lot of them personally, and they're, they're genuinely helpful to agency owners. You know, one of the things that uh, frustrates me is I see a lot of this stuff because I see all the Facebook ads because they target me because of agency owners, and you can tell the material, it's targeted towards freelancers who've never run an agency, and right. like the advice that you just gave, most people would never, ever give that advice. You know, they'd be like, oh, learn 20 more things to become a better agency or, you know, do this and do this. And that are, it's actually, I've had it where I follow that advice and it's been painful um, and it's prevented growth. But I'm excited about the agency summit. But before we talk about that, let's talk a little bit about how you got into the summit game in the first place. It's a growing space. I think it's a really cool space. Um, you know, it's it's obviously happened before, but explain to people what they are and how they work and how you're doing them. Okay. Sounds good. Well, one is that they're a lot more work than you anticipate they will be. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, especially if you want to do it right and create a lot of value and bring the right people together. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, uh, what we're talking about here is doing virtual summits. It's like hosting a conference. You know, imagine going to a marketing conference or an industry conference in San Diego or Orlando or Las Vegas, except instead of going to the conference, you're attending it online virtually, right? Typically in a video format like this. And so summit will last a few different days. Um, you know, a few days and sessions will go at, you know, will go live at certain times. Typically, most virtual summits, all the sessions are pre-recorded. Some have been done completely live. I can tell you that walking a tight rope and a high wire like that, uh, doing all sessions live is you're just asking for Murphy's Law to kick in somehow um, and cause disaster. Uh, the best combination is usually doing most pre-recorded sessions and then a few live ones because then you're mitigating the risk of things going wrong. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of in a nutshell virtual what a virtual summit is. It's, it's a conference, but it's online, right? So there's no travel cost for folks attending it, etc. Um, how I got into it, I had first heard about 
this idea of a virtual summit from Michael Stelzner, the guy who started socialmediaexaminer.com, right, which is a site I think all of us know by, by this point. And I don't remember where, if it was a blog post or if it was a book of his or if it was an interview on a blog, on a podcast that I was listening to. You know how it is when you're consuming information. You just remember the idea, but you don't remember where you heard it from. Um, but he talked about how he threw a virtual summit. I think his first virtual summit was uh, – on blogging. I think it was blogging camp or something like that. But what I remembered was him talking about how, how, how fast that list exploded, how he grew his list, and then how they did a second virtual summit, a third virtual summit on social media marketing, and what happened by the end of like a year and a half, they had multiple hundreds of thousands of people subscribe to their list, right? And in my mind, that's what stuck out, and I remember that. And then I went along my merry way and, you know, back to business as usual. Well, uh, about a couple of, a couple of years later, um, a few years later at this point, um, I start seeing more and more about virtual summits. I start seeing other people that I'm kind of familiar with doing virtual summits. I'm like, and, and so that refreshed my memory to it. So then I came across a guy named Naveed, Naveed Malazis, if I'm saying his last name right. And he put out a lot of inter- he put out a lot of case studies. His marketing was heavy case study marketing about how all these people were succeeding in them. And right about that same time, what had happened is that in, in agency owners and consultants and freelancers will so appreciate this. I went through three clients that I called my clients from hell, like back to back <laughs> to back. Like I took one client and we increased their rev- we increased his revenue. Uh, by 37% in the first six months working together um, in, in terms of that same time period. Last, or, or, or We had increased in the first six months of when I started working with him, we had already earned 37% more revenue than his entire previous year, if that makes sense. No, so yeah. We were, on track, to, we were wow. on track to easily double his business, if not triple it, by the end of the year based upon the growth curve. Yep. And this guy turns around and just starts pulling the most insane stuff you could ever possibly think of. And it's just, just nuts. He just, I don't know if he wasn't ready for level of success or what, but he was nuts. Anyways, uh, that happened. And that was the last of the three. And I was like, that's, I'm just, I was starting to get sick of clients, right? Yeah. And um, I was like, you know what? I need to start building out a list, building out a tribe. I want to serve a community and a tribe. That's what I really want to do. I love to teach. I, I have my own sandbox projects, my own online you know, media projects that I run. And I had been seeing Naveed stuff and case studies. And I went back and like found some interviews with Michael Stelzner talking about virtual summits again. I was like, I'm going to do a virtual summit. I just decided to do one. And I did the first one. I started working on it in December of 2016. This is very recent. Uh, December of 2016, I did it in the real estate space. Um, I scheduled it for about two and a half months out, not realizing that everybody would be gone Christmas, New Year, and a week out. <laughs> so I lost three weeks. I had about 35, 40 speakers that I got to interview on um, how you know it's called the Get Listings Summit, GetListingSummit.com, and it was about helping real estate agents figure out how to get more listings. Because as an agent, as a real estate agent, if you if you can consistently get new listings, you're dominating the game, right? Irrespective mm-hmm. of where else you may be failing. And uh, did that, and that generated uh, that generated over a list of over 3,500 subscribers, real estate agents. Um, Excellent relationships, great relationships with 35, about 35 to 40, uh, really successful uh, either coaches and thought leaders or real estate agents, you know, heavy hitting real estate agents uh, or CEOs uh, of vendors, real estate vendors who were doing great things. 
And so I now have this deep, rich network in the real estate space, um, a list of 3,500 people. Um, just a little under 400 of those people purchased a paid ticket. And the summit ended up generating between paid ticket sales and sponsorships. Uh, the summit ended up generating uh, a healthy mid five figures. And uh, we were able to also support a charity because I donated half of ticket sales to an orphanage in the Philippines because I did it as a kind of as a philanthropic project as well. Awesome. Um, and it was just it was it was a it was a mind breaking experience putting it on because it was a lot more stress and a lot more moving pieces than I anticipated. Um, and I just duct taped the whole thing together, man. I, I did the landing pages inside ClickFunnels. You know, I had a friend of mine who uh, worked with me on it who did a lot did some of the back end funnel stuff for like payment processing. You know, but put that all together. But I was just focused on putting together great content. And I was like, you know what? I don't care if I make any money out of this, or I don't care if I make any money out of this. I just want to put together an epic event, put on epic content, see what can happen. I just want to kind of work from my core what I like to do. And it was for for how little I knew about it going in, from my perspective. And I later on met Navid in person and told him my story. And he's like, "You're, I can't believe you were that this successful with what all the things that you didn't do." <laughs> uh, it was a phenomenal success. I'm really grateful for it. And now um, I'm doing the agency summit, which is kind of like, I mean, this is how I got into business was marketing and sales back when I was, you know, 12 years old. And so this is uh, this this agency summit is exciting for me because I'm going to be able to really serve the tribe and the community that I'm part of and in and from. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's a great thing. So let's let's talk about um, real quick before we move on. What what would you say is the one big thing that you should have done on a virtual summit on the summit that you didn't do that you're going to do this time? Can you tell me that? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. There's a few different things. But the one thing that I should have done on the first summit, or I think anybody should do, is to have a really, really good post-summit plan for helping everybody who registered and attended the summit uh, to kind of digest the content of the summit down to, like, the essentials and then kind of create a challenge or an action plan around how to go implement this stuff. Awesome. You know what I mean? Because I had 35 speakers, 35 to 40 speakers, and there was so much momentum during the Gillisting Summit. People were so excited. There was a private Facebook group for the paid people, you know, and there was and there was a there was an open Facebook group for just everybody. People were so excited about it, but then that information overwhelm kicks in, um, and I had just kind of burned out after the summit too. Um, and actually that led to my last latest interim executive position because one of the CEOs that I interviewed on the summit ended up asking me to be the VP of marketing at their company. Uh, (laughs) I was doing there. They wanted me to come do it for them. Uh, but I felt like I could have done a lot more for saying, Hey, okay, 35 great speakers, but here's like the eight best core insights. Here's action plans around them. Let's do a, you know, a 60 day listing challenge. Or something like that, right? And give people that bite-sized, daily, actionable, uh, actionable steps they could take based off of what had happened in the Gillisting Summit. So now, for the Agency Summit, um, I, I anticipate it's going to be a phenomenal summit. I'm doing everything I can to make it as such in terms of the content, you know, and the people I'm going to interview, like yourself and many of the other speakers that you know of. 
but what's going to be really important is there's going to be there's going to be some sort of a challenge or some sort of a framework that I'm going to launch right after the summit to help everybody implement the, some of the things that they've learned depending on you know whether they're a consultant or an agency owner or a freelancer or kind of wherever they're at. There's going to be multiple tracks that they can take, whichever one fits them the most or suits them the most. And I actually want to see people implement this stuff and get results from it. Awesome. And you know, and that's so valuable because, um, it's so important because I go to so many events, um, and I've actually tapered off because I go there, you get this wealth of notes and wealth of information and, you know, and the event organizers do a great job of bringing the best talent, bringing, you know, great information and you get excited and then boom, reality hits and you have no framework for implementing anything. And in reality, it's almost worse than not have, having just not learned it because it's sitting there right. like, Oh, I'm not executing on this and, and it takes away your mental energy. So that's, that's incredible. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. The other thing I'm going to be doing too, is bringing back every single speaker for two to three days where they're going to basically we're going to re we're going to reiterate some of the insights from their interview and we're going to be able to uh maybe go more in depth allow an opportunity for more people to ask questions right and the other thing too is um i i, I learned don't do generic overlapping interviews Right. Like, I mean, if two people can talk about the same subject, try to splice it out and make it a little bit more precise and discreet so that then it can be valuable in its own way. So, for example, I have two speakers talking about YouTube, but one guy's going to be talking about YouTube marketing uh, from an organic perspective, like how to just generate views for your videos organically, how to how to rank high on YouTube. Somebody else is going to be talking about specifically just paid traffic inside YouTube. Awesome. Right. So, so it's so it's separate, right? And then there's somebody else, wink, wink, who's going to be talking about <laughs> video, right? And using videos, right? So, and, and how to win clients with that, and how to win at the game because of video. So, uh, I'm making sure that no two people are going to give the same interview. That's great. And That's that great. way, you know, discreetly a discreet subject. And then if you're listening, right? If you're somebody that's listening to this, this podcast episode, or if you're on the summit, you know, and you don't have time to attend all the sessions. What I'm hoping to be able to provide is a distinct reason, a distinct, a distinct and an easy way to choose which sessions you then will make it to because you're like, ah, yeah, I need to know this versus that right within the context of YouTube or whatever it may be. That's fantastic. Uh, that's really cool. So let's talk a little bit about the summit specifically. Uh, when is it? How do people sign up? Tell me a little bit about the, the mechanics of how the summit's going to work. Yeah, so folks can go. So uh, the page should be up. Well, right now we're doing the interview, but I'm anticipating that by the time this goes live, the page will be up. Folks will be able to go to theagencysummit.com, um, and on there they can register for a free ticket. Okay, so here's how it's going to work. Um, all the sessions, are, you can get free access to all the sessions. Every session, when it goes live, it's going to be available for free for 72 hours, for three days, giving you time to be able to catch it, even if you weren't able to catch it the second it went live. Um, and then for those folks who want permanent access to all the sessions, plus a whole stack of real valuable resources and tools that many of the speakers are contributing, uh, then they can buy an all-access pass. Awesome. And depending on the time when they come across that page, the price will be different. The earlier before the summit is, uh, you know, the 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 less the ticket will be, um, the all access pass. Um, and then a and then ten, and then a percentage of all sales from this summit are going to support Embrare, which is an anti human trafficking organization in Romania fighting and human trafficking over there. Where in Romania is the number one place right now, the the number one hotbed for the most amount of underage people 
and kids and just people in general being kidnapped or trafficked. Um, so that's the cause that we're supporting with this summit. Anyways, it's the agency summit.com. Um, I'd originally slated the summit to go live August 10th, uh, I mean, sorry, October 10th, but we're going to be launching it most likely October 17th. But regardless, if you just go to the agency summit.com, all the information will be on there about what date it's launching, who the speakers are, what they'll be talking about, when their sessions go live. And again, it's a free ticket to register. And if you want additional information, you know, additional access, you can buy an all access pass. Awesome. Uh, the all access pass will be available up to the summit during the summit and then for about a week after the summit and then the doors will close. Um, if someone's listening to this in the future, Mm-hmm. And because that's the beauty of the podcast, it will be here for a long time, hopefully. Uh, do you plan on doing this again? Yeah, it, depending on how this one goes, depending on how this one goes, and I say I kind of say that almost yes. The, the, the answer is yes. <laughs> I want to do it again. I want to do it over and over and over again. Uh, I might make it an annual event, or I might make it uh, a two times a year event. I don't know if you call that semi-annual or biannual. Uh, semi-annual. Biannual is yeah. every two, semi is half. Got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the idea is, I think, maybe make a twice a year event, a semi annual event, or an annual event. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm excited for it, regardless of how it goes logistically. Uh, I'm attempting a lot of speakers. We're pulling up close to between 60 to 70 speakers. Whoa. So, yeah. And I'm doing all the interviews. That's so, a lot of interviews. Yeah. It's a lot. But you know what it is, is I. I have, I really want to make an epic uh, an epic splash in terms of just contributing value, uh, and make it almost like a one stop shop for any agency owner or consultant who's looking for just some inroads or a different way of doing things or some insights to be able to scale an agency, grow an agency, get better clients, get better results for clients, change the niche that they're in, whatever it may be. I want to bring enough like intellectual firepower and experience, proven results and experience to the table that folks who are attend will be able to walk away with exactly whatever it is that they needed uh, to take their business to the next level. Wow. That's awesome. So uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I get jacked up about that. <laughs> well, you're definitely excited. I mean, you have the experience. It's not like you're just like, hey, I'm bringing together some agency owners. I'm good at summits or whatever. I mean, you've done it. You've, you've obviously been through you know, the good and the bad and the, and the, the terrible clients. Um, I was just talking to another agency owner today about it, and it's, just, it's, it's becoming harder and harder. So I, I think that's great. Um, you know, we've got my buddy Jason Swank on. Uh, Besides that, who, can you give us some of the names and what they'll be talking about? Yeah, so uh, Jason Swank, as you just mentioned, is going to be on. Um, I don't remember all the specific things that are uh, the specific sessions and tied to the names. You don't have um, 70 there. sessions memorized? Come on. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but uh, Drew McLennan will be on. Uh, Vinny Fisher will be on. Uh, yourself, of course, is going to be on. Um, Ramblin Jackson. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember a whole bunch of names. There's literally about six. And Naveed Boazes is actually going to be on the summit talking specifically about virtual summits. Um, I'm bringing him on as a subject matter expert on that. Um, uh, Keith Krantz uh, nice. is going to be on. Um, I, I, we may end up having somebody from Digital Marketer on. I'm still being introduced to some speakers. I'm, I, I'm kind of upset that I'm forgetting all those names. There, there's a lot of great speakers. Uh, yeah. But you're going to have something for everyone uh, regarding from fr- newbie freelancer all the way up to seven, eight figure agency owner, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, the P, the folks that I'm having. So I'm looking at it from perspective of, you know, 
looking at it as kind of like a tapestry, right? Or it's kind of like a blanket, a quilt blanket. I'm like, you know, making sure that there's something addressed for every single patch or every piece of what a consultant or an agency owner would need to know. And then also depending on where they are in their stage of their business. Awesome. 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 Exciting stuff. Um, so Andre, from a agency owner standpoint, um, what would you say is the one thing that besides attending the agency summit, uh, what do you think is the one thing that all agency owners, founders, freelancers should be really thinking about right now? Because I, I, because you've stepped out. So I think you probably have a better, you know, you're, you're no longer in the forest. You can, you, you can see the forest through the trees. What do you think is the way to go? What do you think is the one thing people need to be thinking about? I think that's a, one. I think that's a great question too. I think that's almost like an overwhelming question, right? <laughs> I'm not qualified to answer it. Um, but from my perspective, for what from, from your perspective, from perspective um, it's kind of a dovetail of two things. One is you need to start thinking differently about how you're charging for your services beyond just the retainer model. And what I mean by that is I've got a little bit a, a little sandbox project I'm a part of where we're pre-building where we're, we're hyper niching the we're hyper niching we're we're on a very like tight niche where we're providing uh, marketing you know funnel build development and traffic services and converting that traffic into clients for our clients. Um, what we're doing differently there in terms of how we're reimagining being a consultant or an agency owner there or an agency is we're not charging it. We're, we are charging a fee for the management of paid traffic, et cetera, but we're pre-building all the content for the funnels and we're, we're selling it on a licensing model per city. You know, you can only have two clients per city the way we're working because you don't want them to overlap the funnels. Um, and so what happens is that the client wants to leave us, that's fine, but you lose the entire funnel, the IP, all that content. You can no longer use it. And that's just reimagining protecting us because I feel like we as agency owners, we give away too much. As consultants, as freelancers, we give away too much up front, during, and after the relationship. And this is just I, – and I feel like one, one thing that – to answer your question, the one thing that agency owners or consultants really need to start thinking on is – how can I take what I'm really good at, you know, if you're provide, if you are delivering results and you're good at it, right, and you have a competitive advantage in some way, whether that's within a niche or within a platform, whether that's, you know, AdWords, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it may be, right, or some combination of niche and platform. If you're good at generating results, I would challenge you to just reimagine how you're monetizing it and how you're protecting your competitive advantage, um, and how much work you have to constantly do to get paid on it. So what we're doing this sandbox project is we're licensing out the funnels, which we're then updating nationally with new content and better improved funnels as we learn. Um, and then we also charge a management fee on top of that for the pay traffic and other things that might be included uh, or that the client may want. Um, so that's one thing I'll say. And then the dovetail part of that where I would recommend to any agency owner right now or consultant is look for ways where you can add, and this is, I mean, this is old school stuff, but I feel like it's just not used enough. Uh, look for ways where you can niche one of your offerings and then find, uh, find a company in that niche that can add, that can sell you as an add-on or as a reseller and try to just kind of accelerate and leverage an already existing network. So for example, the sandbox project that we're in right now that I just mentioned, we're, we're, our clients are plastic surgeons. And what we've done is we've taken one of the, one of the types of pieces of equipment that they buy as plastic surgeons, 
And what we've done is we've built an entire pre-built funnel around generating clients that would use that procedure, that would, that, you know, they would get that procedure from that equipment, that piece of equipment, right? Now, there's about eight or nine competing manufacturers for that kind of piece of equipment, right, with their own kind of version of it. And then what we've done is we've gone out to every one of those OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, and we're offering our pre-built funnel and our pre-built marketing platform, which is proven and converting, to be an exclusive product that one of them can add on and resell or sell with the actual pro the actual piece of equipment itself. So that then what happens is that we leverage other other organizations and we basically have this virtual overnight, virtually overnight, we have this massive sales team, national sales team that's selling our service for us. Awesome. That's yeah. I mean, the, the, that strategic relationship is critical, critical to agencies. Yeah. I think that's awesome, Andre. Well, it's been awesome, awesome talking to you. I'm excited to be on the vert, on the agency summit. I'm excited to see it. Um, and thank you so much for all the great information. For those of you listening, make sure to go to theagencysummit.com if you're providing any kind of services, uh, digital marketing services to clients, and listen to it. It's got a, it's got a great, great lineup, and I know it's going to be highly valuable, especially when you're considering free. Right. <laughs> Andre, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. I'm sure that your tribe and your following does too. And I'm happy. Uh, it's been an honor being on your show. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you all for taking Andre and I on your journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. <laughs>